This is the Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Topic of the week is abortion, its legality and status. Obviously, the Supreme Court has upended that situation about 180 degrees. It has, uh, in effect, I believe, overruled uh, Roe versus Wade, the law of the land for the last 50 years in its entirety. Uh, and what I want to talk about, our guests here, by the way, are primarily Chris Love. She's uh, has been involved with uh, Planned Parenthood for many years as, I, I forget, exec, executive director, chief policy. I, I, something. Was, the, I was the uh, board chair for Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. Advocates until about June 30th when I termed out. So I am the immediate past chair. Okay. Heavily involved, I think, yes. is the significance <laughs> in terms of this discussion and the initial uh, question I want to ask. I brought in attorney Tom Wright. You're both attorneys, but uh, but always good to get you know two attorneys. Maybe we'll get three opinions. Um, <laughs> and um, and and the the question I want to uh, we're going to discuss many aspects of this, but off the bat, I want to uh, discuss some of the legal questions. And the one that comes to mind in Arizona specifically is that um, the Roe v. Wade is overturned. There are some existing laws on the books. Uh, The most interesting of one is uh, from about 50 years before we became a state. It was a territorial legislature 158 years ago. And there's evidently, there's also one that was discussed here for a while. There's also some law from 1905 that outlaws abortion. And among others... Uh, Attorney General um, uh, Mark Burnovich says that they are determined. Paul Bender, uh, a constitutional scholar, says, well, uh, Mark Burnovich can say whatever he wants. That's his opinion, but it has no particular legal standing. Uh, I want to essentially ask each of you, and and maybe we'll start with you, Tom, essentially to dissect it. By the way, the 158-year-old law declares anybody who uh, facilitates a procedure that causes a miscarriage or abortion can face a prison sentence of between two and five years. These older laws have basically, you know, no rape, incest exceptions. There's none. This is this is the the most extreme prohibition imaginable. And uh, the legislature also may or may not play into this passed a law while Roe is still in effect saying that uh, you bans abortions after 15 weeks, which is was a conservative restrictive provision given the Supreme Court's uh, recent decision. However, that is a relatively liberal option in that it doesn't, in the sense that it doesn't outlaw all abortions, it only outlaws abortions after 15 weeks. And some have argued that that being more recent takes precedent uh, we have, I think, Tom, a legal mess. Well, it is a bit of a legal mess. Uh, when Roe Ro versus Wade was decided back in 1972, okay. 73, correct, January 22nd, 1973. Thank you, Chris. Um, what they did was they, they took all of the varied laws throughout the United States and made it a singular, look, It's uh, we're going to allow this as a health care right. 
Um, Arizona had two sets of abortion laws on the books before then, and that uh, they became immediately um, unenforceable. An injunction was filed and granted down in Pima County Superior Court, which enjoined the state of Arizona from enforcing those laws. Um, when uh, Trump stacked and stuffed this court, it became apparent that Roe uh, was on the line. And in fact, they did exactly what they said they wouldn't do. They did not obey the concept of stare decisis, meaning we will we will stay with uh, established law. And they overturned it. There is no legitimate reason that they gave. They just said it's our chance to do it and we do it. Um, so here's what happened. Arizona had two sets of laws, the, the older laws, 1905 and the one from 1864. Uh, those are what I call the zombie laws. In other words, <laughs> they were dead until uh, the Dobbs decision uh, a couple of weeks ago. Dobbs was the, the recent decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. Correct. And then the other, the other one I call is a trigger law. I shouldn't say I call it that. It's known as a trigger law, which was um, the state legislature passed this this year. Uh, a, the 15 week, uh, you know, after 15 week abortion ban, that would only become effective if Roe v. Wade were overturned by the Dobbs decision, and so um, it only became triggered into life, so to speak, when uh, the the Dobbs decision came down. But it creates a lot of uh, it creates a lot of legal nightmares now. Mm-hmm. Um, which of those three laws applies? And and, and uh, although Mr. Bernovich has picked the most um, stringent one, uh, there's no guarantee that's the actual law that's going to apply. And and you brought up Paul Bender, and I think Paul's uh, analysis is absolutely spot on. Which is, wait a minute, these laws are you know a hundred plus years old. We haven't had abortion as a, a, a abortion banning as an issue for over fifty years now. Uh, this is something that the legislature should be legislating on and not be coming up through the court system. I, th- I think let me take that and, and ask you, Chris, at this point about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'd agree the legislature should act because it's a little odd to take a law that's 100 or 150 years old that was not the law of the land for for the last 50 years and and just enforce it. On the other hand... Yes, the legislature should act, but then if they don't, what's the basis for saying it's not a law just because it's real old? We get a lot of laws that are real old, and you know, I mean, and and then we get to the question: How old is real old? <laughs> Older than Tom? I yeah, don't know. <laughs> old enough that uh, yeah. you have to get out of your uh, your uh, Model A Ford, fire a gun in the air before you cross the intersection kind of law. Yeah. <laughs> or, your, or your horse, yeah. yeah. Um, Chris? Well, I, I you know, I agree with Tom's analysis. Um, you know, I think it's clear that the legislature needs to act, right? And I think that they've taken the tack of passing the 15-week ban Mm-hmm. that uh, Tom mentioned before. But I think that that was probably their safe play, given the state of the fact that we are in an election cycle right now. Mm-hmm. And Arizona voters understand that they're not willing to vote for strict abortion bans. Right. And, you know, our statistic is seven in 10 Arizona voters support the right to abortion some right to abortion. And, and and I think some have argued, and I think more or less correctly as somebody who does opinion mm-hmm. research, that Roe v. Wade was about the balance mm-hmm. that people would say that, you know, that that it's not 100 percent, 
you know, right out to the end, you know, on without some regulation. But particularly, it's very much tied to uh, kind of how far along are you? Okay. And and in that sense, also, interestingly, that mirrors what we didn't. We we seem to get the extremes in, in this country because the legislate because the courts got involved, right. whereas when it was the democratic processes that got over, most of Europe says, you know, first trimester or thereabouts, it's pretty much uh, a matter of choice. Uh, as you get further along, there, there becomes a more prevalent state interest that. Uh, at least it gets before a woman in the latter t- period uh, it ha- gets an abortion. It, there's some review somewhere, not legal so much as medical, that there's some criteria. And, and of course, people argue that that, you know, not everybody's 100 percent agree with. But that policy is a lot closer to kind of the drift of public opinion, which is somewhere somewhere in the middle. Right. And, you know, I'm one of those folks that uh, doesn't believe that we should have any abortion bans because mm-hmm. people who can become pregnant may need abortions uh, throughout their pregnancy mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons that are none of my business and they need to deal with with themselves Mm -hmm. and with their medical provider. Right. Um, But I think that the 15 week ban was uh, what passed in Arizona legislature because it mirrors the 15 week ban in the Dobbs case that was just and it was trying to Mm -hmm. push the envelope in a prohibitive direction. Right. Right. It's just now given Dobbs that doesn't that's that's. Not so prohibitive relative to Dobbs. Well, you know, what the Supreme Court said was there was no, you know, the the, the Mississippi law could stand. There was uh, there's no federal right or no right to in the Constitution to abortion. And so the Supreme Court kicked it back to the states. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would argue that our state currently um, is a, in a state of flux, given the pre bans that we talked about, um, the law that existed before Dobbs, which w- which mirrored Roe versus Wade um, and set the viability standard. And then now we have, uh, you know, the the movement right now to uh, ban abortion at 15 weeks. So we've got a number of things going on here. We'll be back picking up this discussion. Tom Tom Ryan is chafing at the bit to say something. We will find out what that is after we, uh, this break in the Think Tank. <laughs> the Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Tom Ryan Esquire was about to weigh in on, <laughs> on, on our previous discussion of the legality of and and prevalent uh, the, uh, the preeminence really of a variety of of laws passed at uh, in different centuries. Uh, we're we're now in the three centuries here. We're talking about the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, and two thousands. Tom, well, here's the interesting issue: when when Roe was decided, um, the the decision came down and said, "Look, we believe that uh, there is a right to abortion because there's a right to privacy, healthcare privacy, and this right to privacy emanates from the penumbra of the first nine amendments." Got to love that phraseology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when the two laws Laws that uh, Brnovich is looking to enforce, the 1864 and the 1905 law were passed. They were passed before the Arizona Constitution was adopted in 2010. Article 2, Section 8 of our Constitution. 2010? 
or nineteen ten. No, did I say twenty ten? Nineteen ten. Nineteen ten. Okay. Yeah. My half simers is so our our, our, our <laughs> uh, territorial the, the constitution with which we became a state. Yes, right. and, and and there's Article two, Section eight, which guarantees the right to privacy, which our own Supreme Court has interpreted to apply to um, healthcare decisions. So so we could interpret that as okay, the Supreme Court said no, there is no right to privacy, but in Arizona there is. Well, that's what that's what has to be decided. Right. So Mr. Mm-hmm. Bernovich's rush to the court right now is is without complete consideration of, of those issues. Do those laws that were passed before our Constitution was adopted, do they withstand scrutiny under Article 2, Section 8 of the right to privacy? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's one of the issues that has to be resolved. Other issues that have to be resolved are if you know what do they mean by by person? If they're mm-hmm. talking, are they talking fertilization, implantation? If they're talking fertilization, they could be wiping out the whole in vitro fertilization industry in the state of Arizona mm-hmm. because every one of those then uh, that aren't implanted or died or don't make it are are considered an abortion, uh, chargeable under Arizona law. Um, there's another one I'm going to bring up to you right now. There's a case pending in Gila County mm-hmm. Superior Court. Yes. Uh, it was right reported by ProPublica and uh, a a divorced husband who went to a, a Planned Parenthood clinic or a medical clinic with his wife who agreed to her medically induced abortion. Uh, he divorced her after uh, some period of domestic abuse and now he is suing her. Uh, he's created an estate for the uh, the fetus, and he's now suing her, and the not suing her, but suing the doctor, doctor. Uh, for that abortion. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are a lot of issues that are left undecided by this that are going to have to work their way through the courts or through the legislature, and it's going to be a very, very, very difficult, painful process for the state of Arizona. Many difficult questions still remain to be answered. Wow, uh, Quagmire. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, en- endless litigation? Well, um, yes. Um, I, I think endless lit- litigation. Um, obviously, there's some political strategies that need mm-hmm. to be at play as well. Um, but the most important thing is that during this time where folks on all sides of the issue are unclear about what the law, the status of the law in the state of Arizona is, um, we've had to pause performing abortions here in the state. Mm-hmm. And every day that we are not performing abortions means that we're not serving people in the state of Arizona who need and want abortion services. And so, yes, endless litigation, but I don't know that our patients should be made to wait that long. Well, clearly, yeah, patients in limbo is not a good thing one way or the other. But I, I don't know in the current environment, what's the alternative? Obviously, Planned Parenthood made a decision that in a legally ambiguous situation, it wasn't going to put its neck on the chopping block over this. Well, not necessarily really? not necessarily its neck, right? Yeah. Well, um, well. Right now, what well, we don't know, and I think that the, it was helpful that the personhood provision of uh, SB 1164 was actually enjoined by the court um, earlier this week. You need to explain that. Okay, so in 2021, our legislature passed a law that basically banned abortions for reasons of disability or genetic anomaly. And in that law, they snuck in a provision that uh, we call a fetal personhood provision, which means it gives a fetus all of the rights of a person who is alive and kicking right now, right? So myself and a fetus would have the same rights, right? Um, 
that law was actually subject to a challenge by a bunch of uh groups, including the ACLU and a couple of independent abortion providers. Um, It was put on pause. Part of it was put on pause because the Supreme Court decided to take the Dobbs case. Right. And so Mm -hmm. there were some issues that needed to be resolved there. But in the meantime, uh, the personhood provision was allowed to take effect. And so last week or immediately after the decision came down in Dobbs, um, those litigants uh, petitioned the court to enjoin the personhood provision um, until such a time as the entire case was resolved and until such a time as the status of what's happening in Arizona becomes more clear. And the court agreed. Right. So mm. um, fetal personhood is enjoined in the state of Arizona, which Me- helps us in this means fight. that it it's held and it, it's like we're going to decide that later. So mm-hmm. that doesn't come in. Right. Is that it? We're acting as if it, it's not law until the legal issues get settled. Is right. That a fair it statement? is not in effect currently. Mm-hmm. It may become effective later, depending on what the court decides to do. Because no further legislative action is required. It's a question of this is an unsettled issue, and -hmm. therefore we're not going to allow it to take effect until we settle the issue. Absolutely. And the the lawyers for the the litigants, the the plaintiffs, actually asked for the injunction to include language that says that anyone who provides an abortion won't be subject to this personhood provision, um, any kind of uh, criminal action action based on this personhood provision if they decide to move forward with performing abortions, right? So it kind of protected them in this particular uh, period. But then what happened was two days later, uh, the AG decided that he was going to get the pre-row bans unenjoined, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of this is political posturing um, Mm -hmm. that's happening in our courts right now. Mark Bernovich is running for the Senate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not doing terribly well. Not doing very well. (laughs) Okay, we will be back with uh, Chris Love and Tom Tom Ryan, should he have anything to add to this, but I want to talk to you about what Planned Parenthood strategy is and what other kinds of things are going on outside of the strict uh, legal arena when we turn in just a moment in the think tank. Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We are here with Chris Love of Planned Parenthood and Tom Ryan, attorney, both attorneys, but uh, abortion uh, looks like politically... uh, you add up the states. We're, in effect, going to have legal abortion in about half the states, mm-hmm. illegal abortion in the other half. Uh, uh, I don't see anybody heading towards a moderate position. It seems to be about which party is in control. And it, it kind of looks to me like the states are going off in in relatively absolutist position, raising a host of interesting strategic and legal questions like what is the legality of a woman traveling from an abortion illegal state to abortion legal state getting an abortion can the home state have can can the home state penalize for something that occurred outside of the state uh what about um uh, medical abort pill based abortions, I understand, is predominant in roughly the first trimester. Can you use the males? Can you receive the males? What a mess! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 what uh, do we have any thoughts on the legality? I mean, states generally 
are enjoined from um, interfering with the kind of the legal, pro- you know, sort of what happens in California. I, general principle, Tom, both of you, is, is <laughs> if, if you do it in California, that's California's business, Sometimes, not Arizona's right. business. Right. Sometimes. Not yeah. in all cases, yeah. right? Um, I think that uh, we, are, we will have yet to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. And I think that there will be some court battles with respect to that particular issue of traveling across state lines. Um, I know that uh, Congress tried to address this very uh, issue yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, and it was voted down by Republicans. And so you're right, this is a very partisan issue. No one is uh, acting in moderate ways, but I don't think that anyone is acting in very progressive ways with this issue right Mm -hmm. now either. Well, (laughs) the Planned Parenthood side seems to be in a defensive position right now. Aren't we always? Well, this is, no, this is, this is a little different. I mean, th- this has been threatened for 50 years and mm-hmm. it happened. Right. So. Right. So this is it, it invokes some important um, uh, constitutional rights. The question mm-hmm. of, for example, freedom of association, freedom of assembly. I think that's involved in, in the question about moving to other states. What about mm-hmm. interstate, interstate commerce? Commer- that's commer- the yes. second yeah. one. Right. No, no. Mike, 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 you're jumping <laughs> in on my sticker, baby. <laughs> interstate commerce is, uh, yeah, that's that's the next issue. Federal, right? And that's a federal prerogative. Correct. Right. And then you have uh, like uh, EMTALA. EMTALA uh, says you're taking federal money from the U.S. government to run your hospital system, then we, you are required to do the following things. Uh, so right now, uh, Texas is suing the Biden administration over that very issue. What is the meaning of EMTALA? And if they say we're not doing that, can they pull EMTALA? EMTALA, the Emergency Medical Treatment and mm. I can't remember something at Yes, it was just uh, – uh, the subject of Biden's press conference that he had right. earlier this week, correct? Yeah, there's a there are a lot. That's what I'm saying. This is the idea of Roe was to make it a singular decision that applies to all states and to bring uniformity to th- to the states, giving them some leeway on what they could do to control, regulate, and restrict abortion. Overturning that now um, is it's going to be a hodgepodge and it's going to be a state by state, uh, literally sometimes even county by county or city by city, uh, you know, decision. And relitigating, it seems, things that have been litigated over the last 50 years because the ground rules have changed. Oh, yeah. Well, here's here's the problem that I see. The 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 pro-life movement has had 50 years to deal with this issue. Fifty five zero. Mm-hmm. That's a lifetime. And the the things that they could have been doing in the meantime, if they truly believed that they weren't just pro-birth, but I mean truly pro-life, uh, they would have been working uh, across the aisle for a paid family leave, maternity leave, paternity leave. They would have been uh, working hard for uh, providing uh, health care to children to do things to defeat uh, maternal uh, mortality with uh, pregnancy and fetal mortality uh, within the black community. We are having a huge problem right it's now. It's a crisis. It, it is of, of gestational diabetes, which leads to um, high blood pressure for the mothers. It leads to um, it leads to uh, premature fetal death. I I recently did one of those cases involving a, a young black woman who they they blew off. She kept coming in and telling them, "I feel dizzy. I feel sick. I think something's wrong." Uh, they took a blood test. They let it sit on a counter, sit on a counter for more than a day. When they finally sent it in, it was hemolyzed, so they never studied it. 
And by the time she got to, uh, she finally fired her doctor, went to a new one, and they said, honey, you got a problem here. You're going immediately to the hospital. She went to the hospital, and the ultrasound showed that uh, there was no fetal heart tone, and the child was dead, aged 33 weeks, well beyond the, the position of viability. So if you're going to tell me you're pro-life, act pro-life, which mm-hmm. means... Where are you on providing health care? Where are you providing family support? Where are you on providing maternal help? If you're not doing those things, you're not pro-life. You're pro-birth, and and I don't want to hear anything more about it from that. Mm -hmm. Hence the Barney Frank comment about people who are uh, pro-life until I believe that life believes it. Right? Life begins at conception and ends at birth. birth, Yep, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, the Arizona legislature is probably some of the worst offenders with some of these things, right? Um, you know, they are very pro-birth, but, you know, they're not legislating in a way that is pro-life by any definition. It's just, if you're doing, if you're just doing things to punish and not doing things to help, if you're just doing things because it it, it feeds the base, but you're not really taking care of people, you're not really fulfilling your mission in this world. And so are you doing this because it's a grift and you can raise money or are you doing this because you truly care about mothers and infants and children and families? Because right now I'm not seeing it. And uh, they've had 50 years 50 years to do this. And instead of doing those things, they went the opposite way. So now they're the, the dog that caught the Greyhound bus and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And it's it's a problem bigger than they have. You can see them running away from issues. Jim mm-hmm. Jordan denying that a 10-year-old girl in his uh, a little girl, 70 pounds, four feet, whatever, however tall, was impregnated by a rape. And he wanted to deny it. He called her a liar. Uh, you, we're seeing those things, and uh, it's just – it's shameful. It's its hurtful. So, Chris, what is what is Planned Parenthood doing right now mm-hmm. to deal with the current situation? I'm not talking so much in the legal mm-hmm. arena, but in the practical arena. Well, yes. Yeah, so in the legal arena, we'll obviously be uh, – Litigating with uh, uh, Attorney General Brnovich uh, in the case that he just uh, asked for the injunction to be lifted in the pre-road ban. So we'll be there and we're ready. Right. Um, but Planned Parenthood has always been doing something right. And I, I, you know, we've been the ones that have been performed, per, performing abortions um, and performing a host of reproductive health care um, options. We're stepping up things like uh, birth control. Like we've seen an increase in folks asking for IUDs. We're preparing to start doing vasectomies. Right. Um, we're also uh, added gender affirming care to our menu of services that we have um, on the political side, you know, we're in the midst of an election right now. Um, So we're doing the thing where we're trying to find folks or finding and supporting candidates who we feel will take this battle for us to the Arizona legislature and kind of stand in the breach with us. Um, You know, we're considering options about what are the possibilities for 2024 um, and looking at possibly doing a ballot measure. Um, We're taking a look at some of the things that are on the ballot that we know will be harmful to the ballot initiative process in 2024. Um, We've got a few laws that really uh, that, that have been referred to the ballot that are really go to the heart of the citizen ballot initiative uh, Uh, ability here in Arizona. And so we're going to fight like hell against those. But we've been fighting as long as they've been doing 
the things that they've been doing for 50 years. We've been fighting these battles for 50 years. We've been performing the services. We've been in court and we've we've been in the legislature and stopped a lot of bad things that have happened in our our legislature. Um, and we'll continue to do those things. Uh, let me ask about the partisan aspect of this. Uh, it obviously is a partisan divide. My question to you in the current Arizona legislature, is there a single Republican who you consider an ally or a single Democrat who you do not get, who who basically is not on your side. So let's ask, answer the Republican question first, and I'll add that Planned Parenthood Advocates of Arizona is a nonpartisan organization. Um, but we know who supports abortion and who doesn't. And we don't have any friendly Republicans right now. We have in the past, and I won't call them out by name because, you know, they were friendly to us. Because it wasn't necessarily helpful to right, them. Right, right. It didn't help them at all, and they're no longer there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have anyone. And we've seen in the last few cycles how the legislature, uh, the Republicans, have moved further and further to the right mm-hmm. um, and taken out all of the folks that we could have depended on that would be moderate Republicans, well, right? I, I think you remember the, the history of this, when Roe v. Wade came down, uh, there were, first of all, it wasn't uh, to be against that, was mm-hmm. not Republican doctrine. No. No, uh, and it I wasn't mean, religious I mean, doctrine was, either. The, right? Was it the Planned Parenthood Center here was named after Peggy Goldwater? Mm-hmm. Uh, st- is it still? No, it's not uh, anymore. But, right. but, but I mean, that's an indication. This was not a particularly partisan issue. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly also... It is not an issue that was a driving matter to the the uh, conservative Christian churches until some many years later. Mm-hmm. It was the moral majority, right. Jerry Falwell. Right, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, they saw that abortion was a politically uh, convenient issue for them, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to moral majority, um, none of that stuff was mm-hmm. happening, right? Um, churches weren't taking positions on abortion in the way that mm-hmm. they are now. Um, so it has been a politicized issue, mm-hmm. Um and I think everyone knows that that this is the state of where we mm-hmm. are now. But, you know, we need to take the vinegar out of it and recognize that in the middle of this are people who need health care. I would say the Catholic Church and the Mormon faith have both been consistently against the concept of abor- abortion since before Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But I think it's been more politicized. It wasn't out front. You weren't denying communion to. No, it's the, the 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 one thing that the political class has done for the Republican Party is they've understood the the hot button social issues and they've taken advantage of them, whether it's uh, the Second Amendment, the abortion issue, um, immigration. I mean, they have absolutely weaponized all of that stuff. And so the idea that you could sit down and have a, a you know, a. a a, a civil discussion on any of those issues with somebody of the opposite thinking has become nearly impossible. And that's the tragedy. And it's why we now refer to America as very highly polarized. And mm-hmm. we are. We'll be back in the final segment with uh, Tom Ryan. Whatever your name is. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> in a moment after this break. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We've been talking to Chris Love and Tom Ryan about abortions and the fallout of the uh, decision, Dobbs decision, overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, You're, Chris, trying to do a lot of things strategically. You sent me a note 
talking about quote unquote tribal solutions. And I was scra- right. scratching my head as to what that might mean. If could you elaborate? Well, I think that, and I think that the tribal solution goes along with kind of the federal land solution. That explain we what it is, though. Okay, so. We know that tribal uh, governments are sovereign, and they have control over all of their uh, reservation land. And that's a lot of land in Arizona. It sure is. But um, there was a stream of thought, and it, you know, immediately in the wake of the leak, not the actual decision, but in the immediately in the wake of the leak, people were like, "Well, what about tribes? We can go to tribes, and the states can't touch us." Um, that has never been uh, true. <laughs> I will say that uh, tribal law is an interesting patchwork of things. Although tribes are sovereign, they're also viewed as domestic dependent nations, which the federal government can actually regulate some of the activity that's happening on the tribe, and they have jurisdiction um, to prosecute crimes, and so on and so forth, right? But um, tribes also have their own jurisdiction, but they have jurisdiction primarily over other Indians, right? So that means folks that are defined as Indian um, by our patchwork of laws that we have here in the United States, um, but they have control over folks that are members of their tribe and anyone else who is Indian from another tribe. But the jurisdictional questions become a little bit more fuzzy when we're talking about folks who are non-Indian. Right. Which basically talk, we're talking about seven seven million or thereabouts Arizonans who are not Indian, uh, and the question is, is 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 there any? It sounds like unsettled law. <laughs> well, I don't so, know. in other words, to, I, to be blamed, if somebody set up an abortion clinic with the with the consent of the Navajo Nation and served perhaps illegally more solid serve their own Navajo people, other Indians. But what about, you know, well, I think the rest that, of us? I think that became a little bit more clear because the, in the week after uh, the Dobbs decision dropped, the Supreme Court also dropped a decision called Castro Huerta. And in Castro Huerta, it basically says that states have concurrent jurisdiction with the federal government and tribes in prosecuting cases against non-Indians on reservations. So if we have abortion providers who go on to tribal uh, land to perform abortions and they are non-Indian, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have a problem because the Castro Huerta just basically said that the federal government can prosecute you if they want to. Um, If you've committed a major crime, but also the state government can come in and prosecute you concurrently. And that basically is a shot to the tribal solution that folks were really excited about. I think that folks were really excited about it, not knowing the context of Indian law, however, and how complicated jurisdictional issues are on tribal lands. Is there um, a loophole if the doctor is a Native American? Maybe. It depends. Um, I, I would say that the tribe may retain jurisdiction, especially if they have uh, implemented something called the tri- Tribal Law and Order Act, where they can actually do some prosecutions and actually do the thing where they can put people in prison for a long time, in jail for a long time. Um, but there are also a patchwork of states that have this thing called PL-280. Um, California is one of them, actually, uh, where the federal government said, oh, we're too busy to do all of the things that we need to do on tribal land. So, state, we're just going to hand you um, the jurisdiction that we had to exercise. So in PL-280 states, that becomes a little bit more complicated, right? Because then it would be, uh, you know, the state government would still have the authority to come in and prosecute major crimes. 
So where do you go from here? Not just on tribal, but everything. Um, I would like to take a vacation. That's what I. <laughs> that's where I'm going. That doesn't seem me. <laughs> um, I, you, it's going to be a long time until we get a resolution or an answer to that question, mm-hmm. right? And you know, taking what um, Tom just said, you know, the the other side has had 50 years to ponder and plenty of decades to do the things that they've done to get to this point, including chopping away at abortion laws in states and state legislatures. Um, you you know, doing the things where they've limited voting rights. And so, you know, they struck down the Supreme Court struck down to really important provisions of the Voting Rights Act that kind of, uh, you know, allowed a free for all and with respect to voting. Um, and that has impacts on abortion rights. Um, Citizens United has in, an impact because now there's a lot of money that comes into uh, comes in on both sides, actually. Um, so there are a lot of things that happened in the intervening 50 years to get to this point. And we didn't get here overnight. And so I think that everyone needs to be very realistic about how long it may take us to get back to where we would like to go. It's not happening overnight. Um, and especially in states like Arizona, um, it's going to take us a while. One of the observations I've had about this whole issue, and it, it, it applies to issues in general, the the aggrieved side tends to become more activated. And the aggrieved party here for the last 50 years, or most of it anyway, uh, has been the the pro-life side. And I wonder if that A, that I think has flipped. It is the pro-choice side that is more aggrieved. And the data that I've seen, it's preliminary because this early is early, but it seems like the level of activism, the level of voting participation and other political activities, that that may be shifting around and that the pro-life side may become, in relative terms, complacent because the law reflects their their views currently, yep. a whole lot more than it did a month ago. Right. Uh, and uh, likewise, the pro-choice people have are aggrieved and more prone to be active. Tom is shaking his head no. No, I, I, I oh. respectfully disagree. I, I mean, not that, they're, uh, that uh, the pro-choice movement isn't the aggrieved party here. Um, if you know anything about the the people behind the um, this movement on the pro life side, uh, they see this as the beginning. This is just a first step. We've got our we got the U.S. Supreme Court stuffed and stacked, and we don't want anybody else to touch it. We've also done the same here in Arizona, and we're about to do the same thing in in our Arizona Court of Appeals. Um, these they, they are motivated. There's a lot of money behind them. Look at Turning Point USA. They're in the high schools. They're in the colleges. Uh, anybody who thinks that uh, you know they're now going to roll over and put their four paws up in the air uh, don't understand what's going on. And I'm not saying it to be disrespectful, Mike. It is no. a they, they they are as motivated as they ever were. And now they feel like victory is ours. Now we need to march and get the rest of it. That's why if you read uh, you know, Justice Thomas's uh, portion of the opinion, wow. now let's look at all the other rights we want to go after. Mm-hmm. Uh, same-sex marriage, uh, you know, uh, sex in the bedroom between consenting adults, uh, contraception, uh, those are all on the line. So anybody who thinks that they're just going to roll over and say, we won, now we get to go home, victory is ours – aren't understanding what this movement is all about. Yeah, you wonder 
you, you wonder that, you know, logically of that, the next thing to go after would be interracial marriage. Oh, he probably wouldn't play very well Tom, at home. Not for Thomas. He no. didn't put that in there. That's <laughs> right. a, the Loving versus Virginia uh-huh. decision yeah. was not in there. That's right. a, interesting that he would leave that out. But it's kind of the, it's kind of the same strain of of. Uh, well, it's okay right. for it's okay for me for, and yeah. not for thee, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 I agree with Tom. I think that you know they're going to move on from a. Abortion, per se, right? And I think we've seen some polling that says that Democrats are much more um, motivated to vote on the issue of abortion than Republicans are. Um, but, you know. Out of time. Ready. Out of time. I thank you back. There, I, I, I promise this will not be, obviously, that, you know, we'll be on the show for the next 50 years, I think. Uh, um, <laughs> This issue is not going away. It will be settled, um, in, a lot of it in court. And if you want to reach me, my, the website is mikeoneal.org, and there's a vehicle there to reach me by email or any other means. See you next week in the Think Tank.